0: sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer plus get twenty dollars off your first order butcherbox.com slash sleepy eat well sleep well this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg But before we get to tonight's reading, I just want to thank all of our Patrons on Patreon.com. Emerald Hernandez-Para, Grace Iobi, Kelly, Sylvia Ehrlichman-Gross, Tessa Romilly, Brendan Clark, Seth Brown, Natalie Casey, and a very special shout out to Cassandra McBride. And her son, Callum, who loves listening to the show and is turning 10 this Tuesday. Happy birthday, Callum. Thank you all so much for your support and for being a part of making this show. And if you're listening, if Sleepy has uh, helped you get a better night's rest and maybe wake up more refreshed the next day, consider being a supporter too by going to patreon.com sleepyradio and donating even a dollar a month. That's patreon.com slash sleepy radio. Thank you. And as always, the music you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover-up for Sleepy is by Gracie Canaan. So tonight, I have the sincere fortune of reading something that one of my very good friends wrote. It's called The Lumberjack's Dove by Jenna Rose Nethercott, published by Echo and HarperCollins. The Lumberjack's Dove won the 2017 National Poetry Series Award and is such a wonderful, fantastical tale. Jenna Rose is a really great friend and a super insanely talented writer. And if you want to get your copy of Lumberjack's Dove, you can order it from your local independent bookstore. And support local business in the process. I'll also put a link where you can find the book in the description of this show, and uh, I'll also have a link to the rest of Jenna Rose's amazing work. So thank you so much, Jenna, for having me read this on the show. It's a real pleasure. So tonight, The Lumberjack's Dove by my good friend, Jenna Rose Nethercott. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow. Just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes. And let me read to you. the same old story. A lumberjack loses a hand to his own axe. The hand becomes a dove. The hand tries to fly away, but the lumberjack catches it beneath his shoe. You know this story. The lumberjack ties one end of a string to the hand and the other end to his belt. Then the lumberjack walks out of the forest, the airborne hand fluttering along behind. There are three rules of storytelling. One, only tell a story if you have to. If you can survive without telling it, keep mum. Two, a story is a two-way mirror. Don't think the characters cannot see you. It's safest to assume they can always see you. And they know exactly where you live. Three, the purest way to speak truth is by lying. Slow it down. This is how a hand morphs as it abandons the limb. First, carpal bones lose their weight. Fingers hollow into piccolos. Next, lumber cows twist and reform. The ulnar nerve and radial artery elongate through the bottom of the wrist. Elbow bend and harden. Grow talons. The thumb sheds from flesh to bone, bone to beak. Carves into point and split. Feathers bristle up from skin. An afterthought. Now for the hard part. Now for the hard part. Flight. Oh, wild ghost. Anti-burial. Tendons weave into fans. Delicate. So easy to tangle. Uncurl from palm into wings. All wet and spooked. By newness Watch them discover their strength accordioning Until the new body Severed from the old body Lifts itself into the air And flies towards a nearby branch Lumberjack clutches the absent space At the end of his arm He looks up at the dove Who in turn Looks back at him Already forgetting it was ever anything But Sovereign Stories are best in threes. Lumberjack, the abandoned, and the abandoner, acts, means of abandonment. No matter who you are, all you are ever doing is leaving or being left or acting as the impetus to leave. Again, and again, and again, this is every story, this is the trinity. It's a betrayal, really. A man is born with this body. Everyone tells him it's his. They call it by his name. They pet this body and clothe this body and teach him that this body, it's with him forever. A portrait. Arms twinned in blue flannel rolled to the elbow. Blue veins like garter snakes. Freckles dusting the collarbone and nose and throat. Pink scar check checkmarked on the upper lip from a BB gun misfire. Rag in the back pocket. A firm sense of direction. A restlessness. Lumberjack starts his pickup truck. He keeps the windows closed as he drives and the dove floats up to bounce against the glass. The road is slick with rain. Worms boil up from the earth. Now, there's a shirt tied around the wound, the fabric growing sticky and dark with ache. A bootlace becomes a tourniquet. A terrible yank settles in the basement of his heart, the lowest stair. Some men have a gift for controlling which way a tree will fall. They spit snuff into undergrowth to interpret like tea leaves. They light brush fires just to speak to the smoke. When a trunk drops, it could almost be mistaken for Boeing. When Axe and Lumberjack touch, whole forests die for them. Axe has loved often, and by loved, I mean she has cleaved many pieces off many bodies. Lumberjack drives towards the witch doctor, or he drives to the ER, depending on who's telling the story, and depending on if the storyteller is a liar. In the truck bed, Axe watches the sky peel towards dusk. Onwards they drive, and drive, and drive. Part 2 In the version of the story where a lumberjack goes to the ER, a receptionist asks him to fill out a form with his name. He writes down all of them, one for every telling. Hospital, inpatient form, reason for visit. My hand is trying to fly. Something separated my hand and myself, and now I want to reclaim what is mine. I want myself reunited with myself. I want my hand to shrivel without me. I want. Remember, there are infinite stories about separation. By infinite stories, that is to say that there is this story and only this story, told many different ways. Sometimes the hand is not a hand, but a sweetheart, or a daughter, or a house on fire. Anything can be part of oneself, and anything can be taken away. Sometimes the truck is a fishing boat, or a Boeing 747, or a blocked telephone number. Sometimes the abandon never makes it free of the forest. Quick. Go to the blue chairs and the wall poster of a skeleton. Stacks of flyers. Quit smoking today. You and your pregnancy. Living with arthritis. Names and dates and numbers on a form don't matter when your hand is affixed by a piece of twine. Details can come later. Posters of skeletons are far less motivational than actual skeletons. When it comes to heating a color Xerox or heating the dead, the dead always win. The dead win every game they ever play. There is only one other patient in the waiting room. She is mostly bald, with a few bright patches stealing up from the scalp. I cut it all off, she says, but it was a mistake. Will the doctor stitch it back on? Asks Lumberjack. He knows little of what doctors can and cannot do. He knows little of the rules of removal and replacement. The woman pets the mass of her own hair, piled in her lap. It growls, nips at her thumb. Once a part of the body is removed, it belongs to itself. Her head catches light like a new sun. The hair in her lap smolders like underbrush burned to clear a work site. She's beautiful. She looks like she was just born, but not for the first time. Later, the woman was called in hours ago and hasn't come out yet. Maybe this is a good sign. Maybe this is a terrible sign. The dove is asleep on lumberjack's shoulders, little breaths. He wonders where his hand found its own pair of lungs, its own tongue, its own plumage, its own tiny heart, shivering like a water droplet about to release the spigot. Simple tasks spring leaks when your grip is winged. A bottle shatters in his journey to the mouth. Handwriting adopts wide swoops as if caught on a thermal. It becomes impossible to trace the map of a darling's skin, or dial the telephone, or hold a soup spoon. Instead, your hand will preen by the open window, lift out of reach, abandon the duties for which it was built. Here, read an old issue of Highlights Magazine. Read Woman's Day Sixty ways to bake a quiche Fifty-five new hab workouts Twenty-three spells to make your lovers bow to you Thirty their knees call you mighty Ten sigils to etch into the sand Four ways to live forever You will live forever You will live forever Part Three In the version of the story in which the wounded man goes to the witch doctor, he drives for three full days and nights. He cauterizes the wound with the truck's cigarette lighter. He runs out of gas, but somehow the truck keeps on going. Like all major U.S. highways, I-91 functions as a direct trail to the witch doctor. All you have to do is drive straight. You can tell you are near when the radio static is replaced with bird calls. Ten miles to go, the truck windows lick with cracks like a river map. Seven, rust bubbles along the undercarriage. Six miles, the rear left tire sprouts a puncture, leaving air to wail free like a spirit fleeing a corpse. Four and three quarter miles from the witch doctor and the engine sprints into flames. The doors are drawn and quartered from the sockets. Three crows land on the hood and dip their beaks into the oil tank as if drinking from a stream bed. When you enter unknown territory with only one hand choices must be made leave it open and ready to catch or carry a weapon. Lumberjack pulls Axe from the truck bed and into his surviving hand. he may need her. Many people think of Axe as beautiful. There must be some allure to danger. They love her in that golden way reserved for the untrustworthy. When she dissembles them, they almost seem grateful. All men want is to love someone with better things to do than love them back. The blade, shark, van, and steel, wedging from thin to fat like a pie slice, shine on a shirt tail until light twists like a funhouse mirror. Expect to see axe. But instead, find your own reflection. Funny, the unexpected places you appear. In a tool, a bird, a storyteller's throat. It is important to note that Lumberjack lost his dominant right hand. Curiosity is a terrible elixir. A love potion. Enough to make a man drink prompt him to swing an axe with his weaker fist, just for the sport of it. The foreman often chastised him for these experiments, but it only takes one mistake, one folly. The weak becomes the only. Now the left hand carries axe along the road. To wield a weapon in a clumsy limb is not an exercise in protection. It is an exercise in feeling less alone. The dove has no choice but to follow. There is nowhere to go. but forward. The horizon swallows the highway. Tarmac stretches onwards, flat and straight and blistered with sun. On either side of the road, barbed wire is nailed between wood posts. Atop each post is an animal skull. There are hundreds of posts and hundreds of skulls rabbit, gull, deer, bull. Then the unrecognizable one with black antlers webbing from cheekbones, another with an eye socket in the center of the forehead, another with no mouth. A mouthless jaw implies the following A. The creature did not eat. B, the creature did eat, but nothing that could be ingested traditionally. Not the sort of food one can touch. C, the creature had a mouth once, which at some point the witch took away. And at once, a house, there in the cornfield just twenty yards away. It is avoiding shadow in a most curious manner. It ripples the way heat ripples against desert. Roof, alive with prairie grass and sod, stained glass windows. The house squats on seven wooden legs, knee bent and spidered. A rope ladder uncurls like a fern. Bone chimes hang above the door and sing, though there is no wind. Crows black in the ground in front of the house. The dove is a pinprick in the center of a great dark pupil. It is the only star alive. Can corn go on forever? Can a house be alive? Can a life be a house? Approach. How do you climb a rope ladder with a single hand? Approach. Stop asking questions and expecting answers. There are three rules of storytelling. 1. Be careful what stories you tell. 2. All stories told will manifest and become real. 3. Sometimes a story doesn't make sense. Sometimes it will contradict itself, but be true anyway. On the precipice, the dove won't stop beating itself against the door. Six, seven, eight, nine. Muscle memory. This was its duty once. The knocking. Twelve, thirteen. Some knowing is left. Some notion of what came before. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Memory gliding with the same barriers repeatedly and demanding different results. Or, no, that's insanity. No, it is certainly both. The door opens. So Lumberjack enters. He enters the house the way he might enter a woman, driven by a need to be made whole. This is the part of the telling when the storyteller pauses. You remember your grandmother or your sister's best friend or the bus driver quieting and turning away. Your grandmother gets a glass of water. Your sister's best friend decides to put on a cooler dress and you watch her change in the corner, peripherally. The bus driver unwraps a piece of big red chewing gum. Sun catches on the paper, silver like a fish. Suspense. The are mantis caught beneath a cup. You powerless thing. Part 4 A pause in the story is not a chance for you to rest. There is no rest. It is simply a turning of the head towards another possible outcome happening simultaneously and constantly the story is always being told somewhere at the hospital lumberjack is still waiting and still bleeding the dove begins to mince magazines in its beak it gathers the bits into a pile so far It has accrued a heap of twelve shredded tabloids. The dove starts to pluck at a tatter on the upholstery. Stop that, lumberjack says, and startles. He is talking to part of himself. That can't be right. If you speak to a bird, and that bird is capable of listening, it must be its own part and not a part of the speaker's body. Body parts cannot listen. They cannot collect fabric scraps because they have no motive of their own. The dove ignores the demand. It weaves thread into magazine clippings. It dampens the paper with filtered water from the cooler and begins to mold. First, it uses its feet to pluck the collection into a mound. Then it settles its body into the small hill, tamping the center down into a bowl. The dove is building a nest. A portrait. Fragile, lace-like, loose enough for light to pass through. Better hold breath to avoid scattering mottled with stray down and red ringlets swirled like a hurricane, quiet as the storm's eye. Lumberjack considers kicking it to show the dove who's in charge. But oh, there is some lovely music to it. It's more intricate than anything he ever could have built. In a moment, the delay will end. We will leave the magazines and pamphlets and water cooler behind. We will enter the doctor's office. Some fate or another will present itself. But for now, time is distracted. It is examining a dove's nest on an emergency waiting room floor. Time does this sometimes. Pauses to appreciate an object of beauty. It grows so enamored that it forgets to move forward. A meadow or a clavicle or a painting might be the secret to immortality. Enough loveliness and time will stop altogether. The doctor will see you now. The dove is curled in its nest. Just a tug on the twine would evict the bird. Lumberjack does not do this. Instead, he slips his good hand beneath the little home and lifts it. He holds it like a newborn, close to his body, as he follows a nurse into the operating room. Today, home is a thing he can hold, as long as he doesn't hold too tight. A place that balances in an open hand. This will not happen again home is not in the habit of repeating itself this is how it goes wait then wait and wait and nothing happens and then all of a sudden the whole hospital is singing the surgical technician wraps the dove with moistened gauze and floats it in a plastic bag of ice water the anesthesiologist search an intravenous line. Lumberjack is alone in the forest. Trees are telling him to sleep. A doe finds a bullet in her belly. A red-tailed hawk coughs up a cradle of bones. Anesthetics discover the brain. The man on the operating table remembers even less of his name now. He is sawdust in the wind. If he has a name, it doesn't matter. A name is a name is a name. A lover is a lover. Is a prize. Is a story. Every time the storyteller says the word lover, replace it with the word self. The word self replaced with lover. Dizzying, isn't it? When vertigo sets in, plant sapling. Replace lover with cedar or dogwood. Replace self with poplar or sugar maple. Keep swapping out words until no one is left but the forest. The dove rattles its body against gauze. They can see its nest there in the crook of the sleeping man's elbow. It needs the nest back. One, two, three. It bats against the inside of the plastic bag. Four, five, knock, knock, knock. Its home is in someone else's arms. Six, seven, eight. Grip slacks with sleep and the nest falls. Nine, ten, the bag punctures at beak point. Water flows out in ribbons. Living creatures believe. They own something as soon as they love it. They refuse to believe otherwise, no matter how many times a beloved vanishes. The surgeon needs to know now. Can the hand be saved? So the technician unwraps the dove, cool and silvered with a wet wingtip sagged, its eyes galaxies, its heart a landmine. The dove's wings are spread open by blue rubber gloves. It is laid on its back. Tack board slides beneath it. Then with two soft pops, one through each wing, it is stable to the table. I'll make this quick and honest. The surgeon inserts a scalpel into the dove's trachea and slits down towards the pelvis the dove's stomach grins open its lungs go dark it wants for nothing back in the truck bed Axe feels a shift it begins to snow the snow falls directly onto the truck and nowhere else in the parking lot the snow is not snow The snowflakes are feathers and they are falling faster. They fill the truck bed until Axe is buried and gone and reaching up for a surface she cannot touch. If the surgeon expected to find a hand within the bird, still intact, he was disappointed. He should have known that not everything is a mask or a box containing something else. Some things just are. The primary surgeon, the technician, and the anesthesiologist do not read entrails to divine the future. Medical practitioners are not trained in haruspicy. Had they been, the liver would stretch and squeeze like a concertina. It would sing aloud their descendants' name and count their freckles and scars and mimic their voices. It would tell how the descendants' lives would end. In passenger seats, in factories, on operating tables, not unlike this one. But the surgeon, the technician, and the anesthesiologist are sworn to science. The liver stays silent. All they have is a dead bird pinned to a tabletop. The gizzard, small intestine. Pancreas, crop, heart, buccal cavity, esophagus And just past the ribs, an egg Tiny egg, pallid and smooth Tight as a dime Little pill, little light bulb Translucent within completion Not yet ready for laying It is the centerpiece on a splied altar When the patient awakens, pain electrifies his arm. He looks at the hand, but the hand is not there. Skin is stretched over bone and stitched in place. Pain floats outside the body, just beyond the wrist. It is a haunted pain, built not of what is, but of what should be. Then he sees the dove. Flayed like a satsuma, his hand is never coming back. We leave the operating room. Here are pamphlets on how to care for the stump as it heals. In the bag with the pamphlets are a tube of antibacterial jelly, 50 yards of gauze and a bottle of painkillers. The surgeon apologizes that more could not be done. Take this, an open shoebox, and within the shoebox is the nest, and within the nest is the egg, alive and brittle and holy as a new planet. This story was written a long, long time ago, before car keys or replantation surgery or radios were invented. It was written for you, and it was written by generations before your birth. The story as true as this tosses time over its shoulder like a fistful of salt. The story as true as this knows what is to come. Part 5 The witch doctor cut her and count one hundred tree rings. Then the light shifts and she is twenty-two and beautiful, hair of razor wire and ivy, braided in a wreath. Fingernails sharpened to points. She will unwrap a person with an index finger and tinker. She, a clocksmith, the patient, a pocket watch. Lumberjack leans axe against the wall, proof that loyalty is easy to put aside. Simply set it down and walk away towards someone new. He grabs a dove from air like a peach from a branch and slams it down on the tabletop. Fix it. He is arrogant because he thinks he is owed a lot. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. It's difficult to say what any one person is entitled to. The bird squirms against the table. Its little pulse is throbbing. Let go, let go, let go. Never, thinks Lumberjack. Never. I will never let you go. I will never let you go. The witch puts a kettle on to boil. She stirs nightshade into a china cup and lets it steep. Takes a sip. Everything has the ability to help or harm, depending on how it's used and how thirsty you are when you swallow it. Her pupils, hollow as a chapel, black as plums. To be a proper house guest, you must never leave your clothes around the house. You mustn't give gin to the cat. Avoid bleeding on the furniture. If possible, do not touch the furniture at all. Do not touch the floor or walls. Leave no marks. No stray hair on a pillowcase. No breath condensing on window panes. Take up no space. Never let the hostess know you are there. This assures that when you leave, you do not leave a gap. The cruelest act a person can commit is to leave a gap. We've been waiting for seven years, or five minutes, or not at all, or three days, or have watched Western civilization rise and fall on the television in the corner. There are three rules of storytelling. One, stories don't care about your prior appointments. They make their own schedule. They are not service minded. If a story doesn't make you wait, it isn't worth a damn. Two, every story is about you. Three, never ask a story for answers or it will swallow you alive in punishment. All right, says the witch doctor. Let me have a look. And Lumberjack holds out his stump, and she unwraps the fabric around it and pours bourbon on the wound, and the wounded hisses into steam and returns to his body. And now the stump is clean and raw and ready. Most storytellers aren't sure where to go from here because none of them have met a witch doctor In general, storytellers stick to what they know. The witch doctor is largely unknowable because when you look at her, she seems to scatter and reform. She is only clear in periphery, so the storyteller improvises, says something like this. And the witch doctor spreads a thistle salve across the dove's back And the dove becomes a hand again Or She gives the dove a thimble of blood to swallow The dove becomes a hand again Or She licks the stump Which sprouts new palm Fingertips Bone This telling is not like the others I know the witch doctor Other storytellers are charlatans and not to be trusted. Watch your wallet and your keys around them. Watch your quiet heart. This is how it happened. Now, show me your good hand. He holds it out. The witch doctor sets a sewing needle to flesh. Along his lifeline, she stitches stream beds gone dry. Thread becomes woodlands seeds are buried and the saplings embroider up towards the sun. Boys are born among the silk. They learn to hold weapons and to unbutton a dress in the dark and they learn to hew the forest at the waist. They learn to claim. What may or may not be theirs to claim. The witch doctor sews and sews and as she does, Forests and boys rise and fall. Reclamation spell. Ingredients. One wooden bowl. One copper bowl. One clay bowl. The abandoned. The abandoner. The means of abandonment. Three matches and a strike pat. An incantation. The witch. Plucks a tail feather from the dove, scrapes a splinter off axe with a paring knife, takes up Lumberjack's own hand. Each she places in one of the bowls. She drops a lit match on all three, a quick singe. Incantations can be written on diner napkins, sheepskin parchment, envelopes. In the margins of instructional manuals or in the dust on a back windshield. The words vary. Could be a poem or an address, could be a hymnal. This incantation is a number. One away point zero. One away point zero. The morning does average body temperature. Peak human body temperature before death. A radio coordinate. The radio switches itself on. Max wakes up in the corner. Her favorite folk song is playing. When they were partners, Lumberjack would sing it as he seized her body. She would collide with the tree in time to the rhythm. At the height of the chorus, her darling's voice would rise and rise, and then, in clean harmony, the log would split open like a mouth. Come, all you shanty boys, take up the hatchet blade, and as you lay the woodlands low, sing out this serenade. Hemlocks, do not die with ease, but stumble out of life like drunkards dragging off their boots to bed beside their wives. There is a changing moment, when the spirit is set free, when a man becomes a body, and when wood replaces tree. Oh, shanty boys with axes high, you know this instant well, for you alone have felled the trunks and watched the sap dispel. Yes, you alone have seen the way Leviathans may fall And rot upon the forest floor As one day will we all Axe is up and dancing She is boogieing around the house Knocking over pots and dishes Scuffing up the floorboards Leaving splinters She is crooning along And her blade is glowing red hot My, oh my, what a song, what a song, what a time it was. Remember, remember, the way the trees bowed to us. They must have really loved us, loved us to the point of dying. And she runs to Lumberjack and grabs his only hand and pulls it to her with a thwack. A clean cut. It's the same old story. A lumberjack loses a hand to his own axe. You know the story. The hand does not become a dove. It does not become anything but sever. The hand lies in a clay bowl until someone drops a lit match on it, and it turns to ash. Meanwhile, the dove nuzzles against the right stump where it once belonged. Slow it down. This is how a hand returns to the arm. First, wings retract into shoulder. The urge for flight brushes loose like dust. Feathers molt. Then vertebrae stretch into finger bones. Knuckles bulge and crack. The beak softens, twists into thumbprint. Next, the belly fuses with wrist. Calluses return to the palm. All is as it was. Sacrifice is a requirement, but the world rests on a Libra scale. For new saplings to root, others must fall. To walk towards one home, you must turn on another. To nurture the right hand, you must neglect the left. Lumberjack doesn't rejoice. All he can feel is the new screech on his left arm. A sudden absence. He doesn't care that all he begged for is return. He doesn't thank the witch doctor. It is not until later, as he walks down the highway back to his pickup, axe pinned under his arm. Then he notices something new in his closed fist, firm and warm. Part six. You probably have a favorite version of the story. When you first heard it many years ago, you knew right away which of the two you believed. As you aged, your trust redirected whenever you met a milestone. The first time you heard another person The first time you were drunk, the moment you bought a plane ticket away, the last time you glimpsed yourself in a mirror or a blade. You can't recall which version you started with. This is where the two reconverge. Lumberjack drives back towards the woodlands. He stops to fill the tank at a gas station off exit 17 and fumbles with the nozzle There are many simple maneuvers to relearn. Twisting the gas cap, extracting his wallet, pulling the trigger. Gasoline thickens the air, and for a moment, he forgets to mourn. He dries and dries and dries. He puts the egg in the ashtray, where it won't break. It must be lovely in there, he thinks. No light, no sound. Just musk and the notion of speed. Axe doesn't believe in folk tales; She believes in her own precision. The wind casts acorns and leaves into the pickup bed. I tie your father out of love, Axe sings to them. And by love I mean to be felled, sliced to lumber, and reassemble into a new body. She isn't sure what she means when she says this, but it feels like the truth. Lumberjack parks at the forest edge. He transfers the egg to his pocket and walks into the woods. Eventually, he makes his way to a tree with a gash in the side, an incomplete job. The bark is black with blood, a trail marker, a memory. There are three rules of storytelling. One, all stories end with a beginning. Two, every character is a shapeshifter. Every object is a seed. Three, the purest way to speak truth is by lying. Lumberjack digs a hole at the trunk's base, three inches wide and six inches deep. Then he cares for the egg the only way he knows how. He plants it. What is truth? Here, you are holding an axe head, polished as a looking glass. Your cheek is familiar in the strange silver light. Your brow, your lip, Your heart. It is not really you, of course, only a reflection. And yet, were the mirror untrue, you would not recognize this reflection as your own. So, too, functions a story. Wait three days and three nights, dampen the soil, feed it river water. Tell it fables, those of crows and forgiveness, of beautiful women once known, of letters sent and received. All night, the moon grants amnesty. Wolves do not tarry for prey. The forest spits shadows at other lagermum to draw them into labyrinths. The sycamore breathes in and out forty times. And then, at last, comes dawn. A hemlock tree has grown from the egg. Red paint flickers along the bark. Gold thread and newsprint bud the branches. Silhouetted against the morning sky, each bough is heavy. So bountiful as to drag towards the ground, fat with the most peculiar fruit. A Portrait. Hung from the bough like ripe peaches Five-fingered and reaching The hands grow in clusters One upon the next Soft in their newness No callus, no splinter, no burn Opening and closing Clasping each other widening palms to catch beginning rain Oh, there is so much to hold When you discover an ending to this story, it will not be on the lips of a storyteller. I have no lock for this door. You may come upon it in a rain gutter or a pulled tooth gap. You may find it in an aviary. You may glimpse it in your headlights on a midnight highway. A shadow. An atlas. A skeleton key. Like a sweetheart, some stories leave you without telling you why. Such is the case for this one. Of course, you knew this was coming. You knew this story better than your own. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.